Well, this is Ben. And this is Keith. And this is Main Street Lutherans. And today we are happy to present to you a conversation. I think this is our first episode with a guest speaker. Is that right, Ben? This is. This is. Um, we're going to talk with, well, I'm going to talk with, you were actually there. You just didn't say anything. Well, I had we hadn't planned on me being there. That's right. So I didn't want to get in the way, but That's I did right. get to but listen in, which was if, awesome. If ever we, we share the video, Keith's just sort of nodding along with the whole thing, which is kind of fun. <laughs> and that's why this is a podcast. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we got a chance to talk with Pastor Elizabeth Friedman of Lord of Light Lutheran Church in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And that church is a campus congregation. It's made up nearly entirely of, of students at the University of Michigan. And it is, uh, she said, just a block off of campus. And so it's uh, the ELCA's campus ministry to the University of Michigan supported by the Southeast Michigan Synod. So that's where I'm at. And and I'm sure lots of alumni uh, contribute as well. And in fact, in the middle of our, our well, in our talk, she'll talk about uh, needing to build a new building because of challenges they have from that building um, not being accessible. So, so yeah, well, this brings up, of course, you know, talk Keith and I met during our college years. So it, it this, this discussion brings up, you know, for us, capital Keith was at at another school in Columbus, Ohio, when when we met, actually, you know, I think our campus ministry experience was a little bit different, at least uh, at Capitol, because it's a, a it's a, a ministry funded by the university, and so they've got a different funding solution there, and it's sort of implied that it will be there no matter what. Um, and Elizabeth talks about how the the programs, the the campus ministry programs at universities around the country are really at risk, and and we nearly lost several big ones. And that's kind of interesting there. Yeah, she also spoke about how for many college students, this is a really vulnerable point in life. Uh, and so it's a it's a time where the church really gets to be the church in a, in a uniquely impactful way, sort of stepping in as as sort of surrogate parents to these uh, people that are often out you know, in a different context for perhaps the first time in their life, and sometimes a wildly different context. You know, I came to Columbus, to Capitol. Like Ben said, I had come from another institution, but I had come to Ohio from Pennsylvania to go to college. And, um, and actually, one of the reasons I wound up at Capitol was because of the congregation down the street from my apartment, which is really where Ben and I first met. Day camp. Uh, yeah, through a, a camp ministry program that, that you were a part of. Uh, and so, you know, that congregation, you know, I had grown up in an ELCA congregation and and went to Ohio for college and by luck or the Holy Spirit or grace or whatever, wound up at this other congregation right down the street and, and really, you know, was welcomed there and drawn in. And, you know, it was the pastor in that church that helped me discern that I was really perhaps going to the wrong college and changed majors and changed schools and changed career paths and, and ultimately, you know, led to me becoming a pastor myself. Shout out to Pastor Brad. That's right. Yeah. So it's, it's really a unique perspective. So um, I guess we are ready to get into it, right? Yeah. Well, Pastor Elizabeth, I'm so glad we get to have you here on the podcast uh, today. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be ELCA Lutheran, and the reason we've invited you here in particular is because as a as a minister near campus or on campus, I'm I'm not sure the the 
how you would refer to it, um, at the University of Michigan, you get to deal with students who are trying to figure this stuff out. And so I think that you're probably one of the people that most commonly answers the question, uh, why are we ELCA Lutheran as opposed to some other sort of Lutheran or some other sort of Christian? And so I'm very glad to have you here. Well, thanks. It's really wonderful to be with you too. Yeah. I getting right into it. I think that our our theology as Lutherans specifically, being centered in grace is really, really important. One of the things that I encounter a lot is as folks who were raised in other traditions and particularly particularly with the with the idea of what I would call God as malevolent Santa Claus. Sure. So like I'm I'm watching your every move and I'm just waiting to strike you down or give you a you know a treat for doing good things or whatever and and that you know is a really damaging theology in so many ways but this idea that we can't earn god's love or we can't earn our salvation is is pretty monumental for for folks who have grown up in other traditions um that they have not found life-giving so whereas it's interesting for a lot of our um cradle ELCA folks, it's kind of like, well, yeah, that's normal, which is kind of how I feel too, because I grew up in the ELCA too. And then specifically being ELCA, I, I find that students are often surprised that I'm a woman and that I'm the pastor and I'm the only pastor at that congregation. Well, I guess and that, that would be particularly yeah. striking because Ann Arbor also has a Concordia campus. They do. And also just about a block two blocks from us is um, the LCMS campus ministry as well. And so, you know, it is a different, a different sense. The other thing too, is that there are in the region of 60 Christian campus ministries serving University of Michigan. Wow. That's a lot. And three of them, only three of them are affirming. So LGBTQIA plus affirming. So that would be us. We've been affirming since 1987, the Methodists, and then the Episcopalians at Canterbury House. And so to my knowledge, and things may have shifted this year, but to my knowledge, there aren't any other active campus ministries run by denominations that would have that kind of theology. Then the vast majority wow. are more fundamentalist and as- ascribe to biblical inerrancy and complementarianism and things like that. Yeah, that's that's surprising. I'd, I'd expect the UCC and you used to be in there, but no. Yeah, no. I, I as far as I know, I am not sure if anybody started anything up this year. So I, I want to make sure that I don't act like right. nothing is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but but if if there is something, uh, it's brand new this year. Well, and as um, we were talking before we got started here, these ministries are expensive. Yes. They they don't bring in income, so you've got to have no. somebody dedicated to funding it. So I I could see why that's that's a challenge. But with that many different ministries on campus or near campus, I can see why it's also uh, uh, sort of a, a thing in flux. You never know who's who's operating where and when. So yeah, yeah. And I think I think there's a um, a misconception as well that campus ministry is something that can be done super part time and for not a lot of money. And it's it's true that there are many things that you can do that don't cost money, and we do a lot of them, but Figuring out being consistently there um, and figuring out people's schedules, especially when you're starting a ministry, is really hard. You you will show up to events and and you know campus ministry is one of the the situations where you can put all kinds of effort into planning something and it, there's a real possibility that no people will show up. 
And so especially at the beginning, when I started in 2017, and and we had almost closed, I I would just bring a book <laughs> to, to our Wednesday night discussions because we we I started a Wednesday night campfire and s'mores conversation. And there were nights when there were one or two people there. I don't think I ever just sat there and read. But I always but you had were a ready book to. Yeah. I was ready to. Yeah. And somebody had to pay for me to be there, you know, and to show up and be consistent because I never knew when someone was going to show up and it was going to be really a life-giving situation. And now it's grown to, you know, we have a critical mass of people who show up every week in addition to our Sunday service. And I I know folks around Ann Arbor who choose to do things with you that they're members Mm -hmm. of their places. And so that's a, that's a a big asset, I'm sure. Well, and it's cool too, because we have a, we, our services in the evening. And so like I could preach somewhere else in the morning and then still be at church in the evening or other people can come to us as well, which is really nice. Oh, for sure. Uh, when Keith and I were at Capitol, one of the, one of the things that I, I remember most is uh, we, we somehow convinced the, the campus pastor to rent a hot tub. And so I don't, I don't know if you've been on the, the campus at Capitol, but outside the Religious Life Center is a giant steel cross that stands, I don't know, 45 feet tall, something like that. And so most people don't notice it because it's just way too tall. It looks like a, a telephone pole or something. And so right beneath that cross, we put a, a hot tub that fit, I don't know, 10, 12 people. Um, it was this time of year and the temperature was four degrees outside. And so we had this thing brought in and we filled it up and we had a campus party. We had quite a number of people there for that event, but the the hot tub kept freezing up as we were trying to get it going. And so it didn't get warm enough until right before the people came to take it back. So it was, it was quite an event, but. But, but it got yeah. attention though. And, and I'm sure it wasn't free. Right. You know, and uh, yeah, we actually, it ended up being the same night as one of the big uh, fraternity parties that always gets taken down by the police. So, yeah. so it was a nice, nice thing to have as an alternate uh, activity. Definitely. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I would, I would say that for us, the most important thing that we do that costs money is that I take students out for lunch or coffee and that it isn't in that there's the, the generosity that's available and being able to say, yeah, get that fancy latte. Like I will, you know, and I'm going to take you to lunch and we can do that. And then I'm not going to be, I mean, I do choose places that are within a reasonable, you know, budget, but, but I'm not sitting there limiting people or worrying well, about that. That is the part of the budget that it's, it's like, there's an imperative here to be generous, yeah. you know, which is so important. Yeah. And in, in a way the church is acting as a parent to those folks. So in, in some ways, yeah. Cause of course this is one of the most vulnerable times of people's lives. You know, they're, they're often coming, being taken completely out of their social networks, their families, um, being moved to a completely new place. And, you know, within a few weeks, they've got a whole new friend group and sometimes those are really life-giving wonderful relationships and sometimes they find out that that this is this is not the friendship they thought it was trying to find figure out what's important in life what are their values sometimes it's who they are sometimes it's maybe this isn't the right major for me you know and all of those things can be you put all of those factors into at the same time and it means that it's just a very unsettled time and so having a community 
that can walk with you through that time, I think is really, really important. Oh, for sure. I think where I want to go from here is uh, it seems like, you know, campus ministry is something that needs to be supported more than more than the average person thinks of it. What are ways that just anybody who maybe isn't around Ann Arbor or isn't around a, a university that that has a programmer, you know, so somebody out in, you know, say North Dakota or, you know, out in Louisiana or something, um, how can they best support the ELCA's campus ministry programs? Um, I mean, the first would be obviously financial donations. Campus ministries are almost invariably barely making ends meet, if at all. And just just as a point of context, we almost lost our campus ministries at several major universities within the last 15 years. So University of Michigan, University of Minnesota, Nebraska, Lincoln, Ohio State are all on that list of, of places that nearly folded and then are now doing really, really well. Nebraska, Lincoln um, not only has a, a just a vibrant program, but they also built and paid for in its entirety a brand new building. Um, oh, wow. Any of these site-based ministries, so we call them site-based ministries when they are mostly just students, ours would be included in that in terms of its its the way that it was originally conceived and uh, the building that we have. These buildings were built all around the same time. And ours, for instance, is ADA non-compliant. And we cannot, you just have to trust me on this, we have done so many studies, we can't retrofit it. Yeah. Um, because we have seven levels over two floors with stairs absolutely everywhere. And so even if you put in a ramp, you then couldn't get anywhere from where you get to. And there's no central place to put an elevator. And so we we really do have to build a new building, but we're on our own to figure it out. And so I think that there, there is this sense that there's all this money for campus ministry and there just really isn't. Um, the ELCA divides roughly $700,000 between 125 ministries that serve roughly 300 institutions of higher learning. And to put that into context, CREW, which is Campus Crusade for Christ, their annual budget is $500 million. Wow. So yeah, the financial piece is really, really, really important because you know a few hundred dollars will only buy you so many pizzas. <laughs> you, <really laughs> do, you do need to have somebody right. be there consistently, right? Also, and not not to put this as like an aside note, but prayer is really important. Um, I mean, we are campus ministry is known as a really lonely pr- profession because our colleagues often don't understand what we do all day. We're on the front lines of the mental health crisis among young people. Sure, and and that is that's t- tough. That's a tough place to be. And you know, the intensity of September and October for us. Is like I tell people that that's my that's my Christmas, Easter, Lent, and Advent all rolled into one. Like Easter is fine, <laughs> right? You know, Holy Week that's fine. It's September and October is when we're absolutely just we're at every event trying to make sure that we're visible because we don't have the fancy budgets um, to get noticed. Yeah, but then if you are close to a campus ministry, uh, find out if you can bring dinner. Like. <laughs> we we have dinner every Sunday night and that's a huge deal. And it is the most wonderful thing for people to have a home cooked meal. The number of times I hear, oh my gosh, my grandma makes this. And it's <laughs> because people can get takeout, but having something that somebody made for them is a really big deal too. Yeah, I think those are the big the big ways. <laughs> yeah, having having people that 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 make themselves available to the congregation in general sounds like a, mm-hmm. a really big impact. Yeah, for, for not much. 
effort there as far as a, a layperson or or what have you. I've heard from uh, friends of mine that that say that you do some amazing work. That oh, I heard that you were a, a social media maven, and and uh, but we have we have different uh, different criteria for, uh, on that than uh, than I think the rest of the world. But they're they're pretty impressed with what you've done. So and all that. So I'm really glad we got to talk to you about this. Uh, we're going to talk to you about another topic on a on a future show here. But so uh, thanks for thanks for uh, talking with us today. Thanks. Well, so Keith, what were some interesting things that you heard there that that really stuck out? You know, I, I think I think part of it that struck me was right near the beginning when you asked the question of you know these these students might come to you and ask you know why why be a part of this ELCA Lutheran campus ministry and uh, to hear Pastor Elizabeth speak of you know her kind of response to that you know, speaking about the theology of grace, uh, that there is nothing to be earned, nothing to be done to gain salvation, that it's simply a free gift from God, um, yeah. to speak about, you know, the ELCA's stance perhaps towards women in ministry, towards the LGBTQ community, to our understanding of scripture, you know, to our understanding of, of authentic community. Those, you know, she was speaking out of a very specific context, and yet those those values, those stances really translate into, yeah, I would think, at least most congregational contexts, if not oh, we would know, hope, every yeah. church context. Uh, we would hope that anyway. And I, I know that, say, Calvary, that which we were talking about before we got to the interview there, Calvary certainly was that too, right? Opening Open to all sorts of folks. Yeah, all yeah, absolutely. And, and people from all over. We we had a Darren from from Hawaii, right? Right. Uh, wearing shorts in uh, freezing cold weather. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Man could fix anything. Yeah. 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 We had uh, we had gay couples. We had um, it was a, a very Marines. multiracial congregation. People coming out of vastly different backgrounds, and yet not a very large congregation either. And no. and so you did have this real sense of of community and people showed up for events at the church to support each other when there were problems or, or projects to be done. Uh, it was just a fantastic place to be a Lutheran. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I was, I was struck by when, when she talks about the other campus ministries there, she says there are 60 other or 60 campus ministry programs for churches on campus. And of those, she can only recognize three that are open to L LGBTQI folks. Mm -hmm. um, that that was sad. Yeah. When I think of Ann Arbor, I think of a very progressive place. You know, they're well known for for the progressivism. They're a liberal bastion in the middle of, of rural America. And so when you think of of what the attitudes on campus will be, you think, I mean, they have a they've had a marijuana festival on campus for decades. And and to think that that only three of the churches, three of the the denominations that are, that have campus ministries are open and affirming, it just strikes me as as odd, and and it tells me how important it is that we keep our ministry there and that we support it as much as we can, um, because uh, she talks about being on the front line of the health crisis, the mental health crisis for students, mm -hmm. and having a welcoming that welcoming thing and and the she mentions the benevolent or the uh, the malevolent santa claus image right that yeah. that we do the uh, you've you've used the term bait and switch on that 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 we uh we get this 
this idea and, and and sometimes they'll be very very welcoming but as you get deeper and deeper the 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 shroud uh, falls off and you find out that they're not really doing that and that segues into the commercials for for uh he gets us uh, mm. the difference between between them and us i hope is that we are genuinely welcoming to folks and that we we want the best for them and that we believe that it doesn't jesus gets us yes but we need to understand that Jesus is the one giving us these things. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have to get that Jesus is not judging us. Jesus is providing us grace that we can we can't even refuse it. You know, it's there. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, before we started recording, you had used the expression that rather than speaking of, uh, it's not important whether Jesus gets us. He does, but does does the church really get Jesus? Right. You know, or do we do we openly embrace? the open embrace that Jesus represents and extends to all people. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, a tough value to wrap our minds around and, and to have our ministries mirror and reflect to the community. And it's an amazing us. thing. Cause I think if most people understood that, that our churches are doing this, a deeply rooted theological thing that we're not, this is, this is what we believe. This is core to these things. And so mm-hmm. if people realize that I don't understand why people wouldn't want to come and get it, and yeah, so I think, well, that, that's part of what this podcast will be about uh, to some extent. Is how well, and it's people... also a reminder that you know we're not just looking to glom on to the to the current hip cool trend that you know all the cool kids are doing. You know, we're right. really trying to reflect a a deep honesty of who Christ is scripturally, uh, spiritually, and uh, contextually in in our congregations. Uh, and to so to extend that that identity of Christ and therefore our identity as Christians uh, is is really a part of the the core of what it means to be the church. And yeah, it is one of the things that, like you said, sets sets the LCA apart from other factions or other I shouldn't say factions, other faces of the of the Christian church. And that's not to you know we're not here to to bash other denominations or traditions. No. But you know we need to we need to name and claim who we are too. And just yeah. say this is what we're about, and it's one of the things that we highlight of uh, of who we are as the ELCA. I also found it interesting. She talks about the accessibility, right, of being able to take take lunch with kids that they have their service late on Sunday, so that so that kids can make it, mm-hmm. right, and not not trying to make the kids adapt to a normal normal. I'm using air quotes there Sunday schedule. But then also that their building isn't isn't really inviting with all those yeah. levels, and so so that it really I, I feel like I should go out and do a bake sale real quick and try to help them raise money for that. So <laughs> we're gonna have links to uh, Lord of Light Lutheran there in the episode notes and some of the other things that we talked about there. We'll talk to Elizabeth here in another couple episodes. We're gonna we're gonna talk about a baptism next week. Or, or next episode. And then uh, after that, we'll get back to with Elizabeth and we'll talk about some some other things there that, that are pretty pretty interesting. I hope you'll uh, stick with us for all those. But you know what? Yeah. We need to get move on to catechism questions. Ooh, catechism questions. So, so our last episode, the question was, who wrote the small catechism? And this was a, uh, oh, this was, this was tough. Well, a was Martin Luther King Jr. B was Martin Van Buren. C was Martin Luther. And D was Dean Martin. D for Dean Martin. Um, I would really like it to be Dean Martin. It would be great. Wouldn't, well, you know, it would be more singable than it is now. Right. Um, yeah. But, 
but it's Martin Luther. Not that he didn't write some singable tunes mm-hmm. um, that just a lot harsher, I think, than what Dean Martin did. So, yeah. So, so Martin Luther, yeah, Luther was definitely not a crooner. No. So this week's question is also about Martin Luther. There's a famous story about, well, basically you should know that Martin Luther, you know, grew up in a middle-class family and um, was going to college uh, studying to be a lawyer until he came home from from the school for a break of some kind. And on his way back to the university, he had this uh, soul-shattering moment as he's walking through a storm. He thought he was about to die, struck by lightning. It was he under threw- a tree. He was not, I, he, he definitely wasn't a scientist. No, no. He was under a tree. Right. He's under a tree, sheltering from the storm. The storm, the the the, the, the uh, lightning strikes the tree. Luther throws himself face down on the ground, and he cries out to St. Anne that if his life is spared, he will become a monk. All right. This is, this is also definitely before Luther had any notions of what grace was himself, even though he's famous for it. But um, anyhow, fast forward a little bit, um, and here is our question. When Luther told his parents that he was going to become a monk, they were A, angry that they had wasted all that money on his college education, B, angry that he was wasting his life and talents, C, angry that he wouldn't be able to take care of them in their old age, or D, all of the above. And we'll have the answer for that question for you next episode. That's right. Ah, so here we are at the end of another episode. This has been great. I can't wait until we talk about baptism and then uh, all the other things coming. Main Street Lutherans is hosted by Keith Fair and Ben Fote. You can reach us at Main Street Lutherans at gmail.com for our email. Our website is MainStreetLutherans.com. Or on the socials, we are at Main Street Lutherans. See, there's sort of a theme there. So right now we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Threads. And uh, I participate as Bjorn74 on Reddit, if you want to look me up there. Um, the show is produced by Folk Media Productions. Until next time, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.